Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, Sunday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio in the midst of the divisional round playoff action in the NFL. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance their home of their dreams with their help. They can help you, too. That's Rocket Mortgage. Push button, get mortgage. All right, 365 days a year. Our next guest, the executive editor of Pro Football Weekly. On about 20-some-odd weekends a year, he gets down on the field, and he will be again today uh, for Westwood One's coverage of the Packers and the Seahawks. Sideline reporter Habarkas joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How are you, Hub? Good, Jody. How you doing? Good. Any issues getting into Green Bay? No. Actually, all of the... Uh... Weather and obviously all our thoughts with a lot of the folks south of here who have suffered tremendously. But uh, originally Friday they talked about a foot of snow up here uh, that turned into an eight-inch prediction for yesterday. And uh, as of game time, there's going to be maybe a half an inch to an inch on the ground. So it's it's turned out to be no factor at all. Really? Because uh, I heard they had hired like 700 people to come in and shovel snow in the stadium just so people could comfortably and safely get to their seats. Uh, do all those people still get the free tickets they were promised? Um, you know, I don't know that they were promised tickets. They were going to pay them $12 an hour in cash. They asked them to show up at 6 or 7 a.m. this morning. But, again, that call went out on Friday. I talked to the Packers yesterday, and with the revised forecast, they had cut it in half. They'd asked for 350 volunteers. Okay. Now there's nothing to shovel. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it works out uh, bad for the guys who wanted to make the money, but but good for the Packers. Well, I hope somebody made something for doing nothing. That's my kind of business. Uh, but that's just me, the lazy guy that I am. All right, you're one of the hardest working men in football. I knew you were in front of your TV yesterday watching both games. Uh, I'll go NFC first in the order that they played. I knew San Francisco's defense was good. They did give up 46 points to the Saints just a couple of weeks ago, but all of a sudden it returned with a vengeance yesterday. I'm sure the Viking fans are ripping their uh, performance uh, in coming up short yesterday against the 49ers, but instead I'd rather praise the winning team because that was just a stellar defensive effort by the 49ers. Did you see it coming? Well, uh, I expected the game to go pretty much that way, Jody. I, I got caught completely off guard by the Vikings last week because uh, the Saints were my preseason Super Bowl pick, and, and going into the playoffs, they looked to be playing excellent football. Um, but what the Vikings were able to do uh, was overpower a New Orleans offensive line that had been uh, banged up, supposedly was back to health, but obviously wasn't. Well, the 49ers offensive line, uh, has played very well this season. And when you flip it around, that defense, I don't know that it's the best defense in the NFL, but over those last few weeks coming down the stretch, they had four and five starters down. That game in New Orleans, uh, no Jaquiski Tart, no D. Ford, no Quan Alexander. Uh, a couple other guys were out. They got everybody back yesterday. And the matchup that, that, that always looked dangerous for the Vikings 
was I just thought there was no way the Vikings offensive line could handle that 49er front even before they got D Ford back. And that did turn out to be the difference in the game. So, you know, nothing terribly surprising. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was good, made a couple mistakes in his first playoff action. Um, yesterday was uh, Tevin Coleman's turn. You never know which of those three backs you're going to get it from. But at the end of the day, 49ers pound the ball on you. And, and that defense, you know, the, the one thing that was kind of strange is the 49ers rating against the run wasn't that great second half of the league. But to take away Delvin Cook the way they did, when they did that, that game was over. Agreed on that front. And uh, the one drive that the, Ram, uh, the 49ers had where they ran it eight consecutive times, nary a Jimmy G pass to be found, and just took over the line of scrimmage point of attack and pushed the Minnesota Vikings all the way back into the end zone. Uh, that's when I knew the game was over. I 49ers had command of it all day, but you never know. It was still close enough on the scoreboard. When they did that, I said, all right, the, the spunk has been taken out of the Vikings. There's no way they're getting off the deck now. Well, and the interesting thing about it, and I know we're going to get to this in a minute, is people kept talking about uh, the two number one seeds being the most physical teams in the league this year. And I don't think there's any question that the 49ers have been the most physical team in the league on both sides of the ball. Um, but I never saw the Ravens that way. And so, again, I'm sure we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, with the, uh, the 49ers' physicality, as good as that Vikings defense can be, um, if you have to play from behind against these guys, you've got a problem. And, and once the 49ers got up two scores, uh, you know, again, it was pretty much over. All right. One last question on that game, then we will get to the uh, surprise game, the Ravens getting handled the way they did yesterday. I, I don't know about you, but I tip my cap to the Cleveland Browns. I don't do that often, but I am doing so today because they hired Kevin Stefanski as their new coach. And I'm not saying I, I know for a fact Stefanski's going to be a great coach and they finally got one right, but they hired a guy coming off a day where his offense looked completely and totally inept. That means they hired him because they like his body of work. They like what Kevin Stefanski has done over his career and what he had to say when he interviewed with him. Not allowing just one really bad day because some of the greatest of all times have had one really bad day in their career to push them away from the decision that they wanted to make. Uh, So I give the Browns kudos for sticking with their uh, plan and going with the guy they thought was the best choice. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I, I can't argue that good for the Browns for not being shaken by what happened yesterday. Uh, that said, uh, Stefanski was a front runner all along because he was a semifinalist last year with Freddie Kitchens, and they gave the job to Kitchens. So now they came back to what they thought they liked. Um, I will say that, that looking at his resume and his body of work, he is not the the most celebrated head coaching candidate I've ever seen get a job in the NFL. As a matter of fact, uh, when he took over that offense last year in Minnesota, at one point they were talking about firing the entire coaching staff. And then, you know, during the offseason, they bring in uh, Gary Kubiak and, and Rick Dennison to help with the ground portion of it. Um, so I, I do have some questions about Stefanski as a, quote, NFL head coaching prospect. Um, but I agree with your point that at least the Browns 
they believe. They stuck with it. Um, for a team that just hired its sixth coach in six years, though, it, it's hard for me to get too excited about the hire until we see what he can do on the field. That's so. very true. Hub Arkish uh, from Pro Football uh, Weekly, our guest. He'll be on the sideline tonight for Westwood One in the Packers and Seahawks game, and we'll preview that one for you as well. But first, Ravens getting taken down yesterday. You already hinted that you thought they were maybe a little overrated, at least in the physicality department. But 14-2 and two is 14-2, and two, and they didn't look at all like a 14-2 and two squad yesterday. What happened? Well, yeah, Joey, let, let me be clear. I, they definitely, I thought, were the best team in the league this year based on their performance, their body of work. Uh, I do think that Lamar Jackson should be the MVP of the league this year. Um, and it was really just this uh, this one trait with people talking about how physical they were. That part I didn't see. Uh, you know, the offensive line I thought was, was good but not great. It was more Lamar Jackson's unbelievable athleticism and uh, the toughness of Ingram and Edwards that I think spirited that running game. And defensively, I didn't really see him as being all that physical at all. And in Tennessee, they ran into a team that, that that's their game, you know, physicality. I mean, those two tackles, uh, you look at Luan and Conklin, that's as good a pair of bookends as you'll find anywhere in the league. Uh, Jarrell Casey is as stout up front as you're going to find. And um, I had wondered all season long, as great as the Ravens were playing, what would happen if they got down 10 or 14 points? And it only happened one other time, and that was against a much weaker team. Well, you saw what happens, uh, and this is controversial. I know I'm already getting both loved and, and battered on Twitter for it, but Lamar Jackson is the MVP. He deserves to be the MVP. He is not yet a quality NFL passer, and I know about the crazy numbers that he put up, uh, but so much of that was done with big leads. So much of that was done with defenses on their heels. And quite frankly, he had a lot of puck luck this year. You go back and look at some of those touchdown plays or some of those big plays. A lot of those are, are you know, jump balls, contested catches. Um, again, I think the kid's a great football player. If I was building an NFL team, I'd love to have him to work with, but he has got a lot of work to do as an NFL passer. And you saw why last night when he's got to stand in the pocket. Um, he, he just, he, he's not particularly accurate. His mechanics are awful. Um, and, and he's going to have moments like that. So again, I'd love to have him, but, but I think that's what happened yesterday. Uh, this is a kid who has a long way to go before he's ready to be matched with the other great quarterbacks in the league. We wouldn't be true NFL media members if we didn't do a little coaching second guessing. I'm going to do mine here. You can either agree or disagree. Uh, and I'm a huge Harbaugh fan. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. It isn't as much about him as it is the offensive coordinator of the Ravens, Mr. Roman. Uh, 97 things went into the Titans winning that game yesterday, but if you prioritize them and put them one on top, I'll tell you the two missed fourth downs by the Ravens, non-conversions, are sitting atop the list. Uh, First half, you go for it. In the other team's territory, I know he was 8-for-8 coming in on fourth and less than two was Lamar Jackson, but you don't make it, you turn it over, they immediately score. And then early in the second half, when you're sitting there at 14-6, you got Tucker to kick a field goal if you need it, you decide to go for it again, and they come up short again. I'm going to second-guess the play calling. I'm going to second-guess the overall decision to go for it. And I'm going to second-guess the guy you were just talking about, Lamar Jackson, the MVP. He decided to go either up uh, behind the center and off off guard on those two plays. I'd rather see him outside in space. I thought that was the biggest deciding factor in a game. Do you agree? And do you agree that it is something that can be second-guessed? 
I agree that they were huge. I agree they can be second-guessed. Um, I'm not sure that I have any issues with Greg Roman. The decision to go on fourth down is Harbaugh, is not his. And, you know, I think I'm going to put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands in those situations. So, you know, whether they were the best play calls or not, I don't know. The, the second or the first one, I guess I should. No, the second one, I think it was. I, I would have done the same thing. Um, but I know where you're coming from. I, I, the, the, these trends in the league, and I understand that we're going more on fourth down these days and that we're chasing two-point conversions earlier. But I, and maybe it's just because I'm old, <laughs> I see what's working in the NFL today, which is play defense, run the football. I don't like chasing points early in a game, um, uh, especially when you sacrifice three or you sacrifice one on a, on a point after. And so, you know, in that respect, I probably wouldn't have gone either of those times. Um, but you just said it. Jackson was eight for eight. The Ravens have had tremendous success doing it. So I probably would have also second-guessed them if they had, you know, worked differently in this game than they did all season trying to get here. So I think at the end of the day, we're burying the lead. Um, the reason that the Ravens lost last night is because the Titans were a much better football team. And I know, you know, at nine and seven, it's not all that impressive. You can look at that depth chart and find places where you want to pick them apart. But the way they're playing right now, Derrick Henry did something that's never been done before in the NFL. Uh, you know, three straight 180-yard rushing games. That was the perfect formula for for handling the Ravens. What we knew about them going in, and I give the Titans a credit, a ton of credit for getting it done. Derrick Henry is a beast. I'll agree with you there. All right, uh, the game you're going to be at today, Packers and Seahawks, a little later on. Uh, not as much a weather factor as we thought it might be. I've been saying all week, Cub, that I think the Green Bay Packers are the most underappreciated team left in the playoffs. That was prior to the Titans winning and uh, moving and advancing to the AFC Championship game. I think they've got to leapfrog them up to the top of the list. But uh, they went 13-3, and yet people are still questioning whether they're truly a Super Bowl contender. I think it's just because they're doing it differently than they have for most of the Aaron Rodgers era. But 13-3 and three is 13-3. and three. There's a reason why they're a home favorite today. I think they've got every ability to win today and then go out and be competitive next week against San Francisco in San Fran. Why do you think the Packers are getting less love than they've earned? Yeah, you actually surprised me a little bit there by underappreciated. I thought you were going to say overrated because we hear that so much. And, and you know, I, I'm a big believer, uh, you know, statistics can lie sometimes when you try and manipulate them to evaluate talent or players, but, but team statistics don't lie. And 13 and three is 13 and three. And, and it's not like, you know, they were handed four or five games. I, I was here early in the season. I want to say it was week five or week six to, to do the Monday nighter against the lions. And, and they probably do lose that game if the officials don't make too shaky, you know, um, uh, hands to the face calls on Trey Flowers, but 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 that's one game, you know. Uh, at the end of the day, you go thirteen and three in the NFL, you're a really good football team. I, I think the problem that the Packers have, though, is that it's pretty obvious if you can neutralize Aaron Jones, at least what we've seen this year. And I still think Aaron Rodgers is one of the best in the game. But this year, the offense goes through Aaron Jones, and, and if you're able to neutralize him, Packers are going to have trouble putting points on the board, and we've seen that. Um, defensively, the, the Smith brothers have been awesome. I, I didn't like those free agent signings. 
uh, during the off season, only because I hate giving you know superstar money to guys who have pr- produced basically like you know journeymen. Uh, they were great young athletic prospects. I like the Preston Smith signing more than the Zadarius Smith signing. Obviously, Brian Kukust is better at this than I am because those were two great signings. <laughs> um, but beyond those two guys. You know, this defense is very exploitable. And, and so I think that's what people look at. You know, you also, with both these teams, actually, the Seahawks set a record. We can get to that in a minute. But the Packers, of those 13 wins, eight of them are by one score. Um, they never really dominated anybody. And, and the thing that I do worry about, um, and you mentioned that you think maybe they can go out to the coast and compete. Well, they went out there about six, seven weeks ago and absolutely got their butts kicked. And I think being exposed that way is one of the reasons that some people have their doubts about them. Um, I have no doubts, and we know about the huge home field advantage in Lambeau, particularly against Seattle, who've lost their last eight in here and, and have not won here since 1999. Um, but both of these teams uh, have, have reasons to, to be impressed and reasons to believe you can exploit them. I felt all week this was going to be the most competitive of the four games. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens with Kansas City-Houston, but it, it certainly has a chance because yesterday, even though we had the one big upset, neither one of them was all that competitive. If the uh, Seahawks can't run the ball, and I'm on the record right now saying I don't think they're going to be very effective doing so with either the rookie running back that they're down to or the – uh, the, the less beast modish uh, <laughs> running back that they uh, brought out of retirement, um, and if that's the case, and Russell Wilson's got to do it on his own, which he's certainly capable of doing. But how do the Smith brothers fare if they can just pin back their ears and not worry about anything other than zeroing in and finding and destroying Russell Wilson? Well, it's a huge problem. Uh, you know, Travis Homer is interesting. You know, he's made a few plays and. And if Seattle can get him going a little bit, that's what they hope. Uh, to me, beast mode off the couch was, was always, you know, suspect at best. And, and you've seen now that after a year and a half uh, away from the game, although he's now had a few weeks, and I suppose you could argue a little bit better each week, but not very good. Um, they're going to struggle, and, and that's what's misleading. They're fourth in the NFL in running, but that's Chris Carson, who's gone. A little bit of Rashad Penny, a little bit of C.J. Perseus. So um, that's a big problem. Um, and, and it's one of the great differences between these two football teams. Seattle Seahawks have 17 players on injured reserve, including five one-time starters. Uh, the Packers have seven players on injured reserve, and only one starter, Lane Taylor at guard, wasn't really even a starter. They were phasing him out for Billy Turner. Um, and so that's a big advantage to the Packers. At full strength, I think the Seahawks would be a prohibitive, well, not a prohibitive favorite on the road, but they'd be a big favorite. Um, you know, you turn it around, though, and, and Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, these are guys who are capable of taking over a game. And if the Smith brothers don't finish, uh, then the Packers have a problem because, because you can, you can definitely exploit the middle of that defense. And on the back end, Jerry Alexander is a really exciting young cornerback. But other than that, they're fairly pedestrian in spite of all the high draft choices they've invested in it. So, um, and then you look at just the records of both Wilson and Rodgers. We'll get to the other side in a minute. These guys are capable of taking over games on their own. Um, they are the two most efficient passers in the history of the NFL. Only players with uh, passer ratings over 100 for their careers. They're also two of the best in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, the thing about that great pass rush from the Smiths, 
you don't want to flush Russell Wilson out of the pocket and let him improvise on you. They got to get him to the ground. So it's one thing to create great pressure, um, but if they can't put him on the ground, he's going to become the running game and he's going to make some big plays with his arm. Get home, as they say, and we hope you get home safe and sound after tonight's game. I'll be listening to you in the car on the way home. Always a pleasure, Hub. Thanks for hopping on. We'll certainly want to get you up before the Super Bowl again. Have a good call tonight. All right, Jody. Thanks for having me. You My pleasure. Care. That is the editor of Pro Football Weekly, and he'll be doing Westwood One sideline uh, uh, work tonight for the Packers and the Seahawks. Hub Arkish here with us on CBS Sports Radio. I come back at the phones restoked. We can talk about that game, the ongoing game, uh, the entire weekend, or if you want to go some other direction, that's cool too. 855-212-4227. Jody Mac Sunday get-together, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.